Hi, I'm Boaz, founder and CEO of Simply Augmented, and I'm excited that you are tuning in to Shift AI Live, a show that explores what it takes to thrive and adapt to the changing workplace in the digital age and the impacts of AI on our workforce. In today's live episode, Ashwin Kadaru of Simply Augmented and I discuss the influence of AI on different industries, current events related to the fast-changing AI landscape, and new use cases that directly impact business ROI. If you're someone interested in how AI is going to factor into the future of work, you won't want to miss this episode. It's always great to have Ashwin on our live podcast, and we can't wait to dig in. Let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of Swing Shift. This is episode three, August 3rd, 2023. And weekly, we are welcoming Ashwin Kadaru to the program. Ashwin, good to have you on Swing Shift again. Always good to be here. This week, we're going to be talking about some interesting things. We're going to be focused on open source models. We're going to talk a little bit about the developments that happened with the White House and safety related to AI, and then uh, and we'll dig into one specialized topic related to different kinds of open source models that are used for particular industries. So let's get to it. So let's start with the information that came out about the key companies that are in the AI space that went to Washington to talk to Biden about some of these safety initiatives. Do you want to cover that and just talk? briefly about what the White House is interested in covering and what their executive order might look like and, you know, why it's important for us to be thinking about some of these ethical concerns related to to AI. Yeah, and I think I'll start and maybe you can fill in. So in general, I think there needs to be some kind of regulation or some kind of structure around how we develop and how we deploy some of these solutions. Um, Because it is true that these models could cause some harm. And so because there's a lot of things in the open source community as well, we do need some kind of structure to make sure that there is no harm. People don't, people with malicious intent don't use this the wrong way. And then these powerful models that these big tech companies are building, there's some level of security checks or some level of safeguards that are in place before it's released. And a lot of it is, Security is not an afterthought. It should be built into the initial release of the product. And I guess when we talk about open source today, we can talk about safety related to the difference between closed source models and open source models. There's a difference there. I think the White House is interested in the protection of the consumer, but there's also, you know, we think a lot about the protection of a a business and their IP. And, um, you know, when I think about the different kinds of deep faking that's going to happen and how we protect against that, that's probably what we're going to see coming out of this legislation is what I imagine. Yeah. And especially probably some safeguards just around how to kind of how to better understand, especially on the closed models, what's going on inside and, and just how to protect against hallucination and other things that these models are being trained to do. Yeah, I think it's more important in the open source community when it's published and it's out there, it's out there on the internet, just like anything else that you post on the internet. Once it's there, it's there. And so before it gets to that stage, can we have some kind of rules and regulations in place? I guess that leads us into the open source question. I mean, the big news in the last couple of weeks was around Llama 2 being released. I just read the report that Meta came out um, 
maybe we can just talk a little bit about Llama 2 and just let the audience understand what it is and and how Meta has been talking about it and then how they released it. Because there was a lot of discussion in the open source community of, is this really open source? And, you know, can we use this for commercial purposes? What are our limitations? Maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so Llama 2 is Meta's language model, and it's their second iteration, second version of Llama. Um, it They released it with three different parameters, three different sizes of the model. There's a 7 billion parameter model, a 13 billion, and then a 70 billion. Um, I think it's around 4K in context length, kind of like GPT 3.5. And the thing that's interesting here is that it's probably one of the more powerful open source models. Generally, when you look at like GPT 3.5 and 4, there was a lot of human feedback that went into those models and specifically into chat GPT. And turns out that's really expensive to do. And so you'll notice a lot of the open source models don't have that level of fine tuning, that human feedback fine tuning. Yeah. And so Llama has a little bit of human supervised feedback, uh, which is really interesting because now that you have this open source model that is more capable than other language open source models that exist. Um, but I still think that GPT-4 is probably, in most cases, yeah. stronger. But it's very interesting to see an open source model kind of come online here. Now, the, the, the contentious issue, so to speak, is that Meta, even though they claim it's open source, there is a little clause in there that says if you use the model and have monthly active users of 700 million or more, then you have to request a actual license from Meta. And so that's where some of the issues come around and people start talking about, well, is this really open source or not? But it's it's open source in the sense that you can download the model and you can actually play with the model. Yeah, and you can see underneath. Inside. Yeah. Yeah, you can look inside, which is way different than anything you can do with, with OpenAI. What is the threshold again for a monthly active? I think it's 700 million monthly active users. Once you pass that threshold, then a license is requested. I see. Um, you know, they were, Meta was being pretty honest about the way that this compares against OpenAI's ChatGPT4. And when I read the report, I saw that a lot of the training they did really elevated it above most open source models for safety and for uh, performance. So I thought that was interesting. Um, I, I think we should just go over again and talk about, in, you know, for, for what we do when we're implementing these models for businesses internally, you know, with security in place and so on, we have choices. We can use closed models. We can use open source models. And I think a lot of business people are wondering why should I choose Llama over OpenAI's ChatGPT? Why should I choose Claude, you know, from Anthropic? Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and I think it's it's a broader question of which language model or which foundation model do I choose in general? And so this is always going to come down to the specific use case that you're doing. There's general purpose language models. Um, you have GPT, you have Llama, you have Palm by Google. These are all kind of your foundational models, they're general purpose in the sense that they were not fine-tuned for a specific task. They're really good at a lot of different things, and they have domain knowledge in different domains, um, but they're not specific to, let's say, the healthcare industry. So when it, when you think about implementing AI inside of your company, the question is really, what are the use cases that you're looking for? What is the performance that you're looking for? And what is the storage or what is the cost that you want to 
uh, have associated with the solution. And so with all these parameters, we look at what's on the market. Well, there's open source things, but you also have to host that yourself. And the inference might be faster in certain scenarios if it's a smaller model, and you may want that for a specific task, but that may not have the same performance as like a GPT-4. And so there's trade-offs kind of all over the place. Do you want to host your own model? Do you want to train your own model? Do you want to see something that existing like GPT 3.5 or 4 that has infrastructure in place already and keeps cost kind of low compared to some open source models? So it's really going to depend on the use case. And mm-hmm. the thing that we do at Simply Augmented is we go and look at all of the models that exist for you based on your use case. And so we kind of identify on all, all the parameters that we just looked at, the, the cost, the performance, the storage, we'll go and look at these things and say, for that specific use case, this is the combination or these are the models that we should use. And in general, the way that I think about it is you you have a base model that is ChatGPT 3.5, let's say, you know, your most cost-efficient model that you're communicating with most of the time. And then there's also open source and closed source models that that base model can communicate with if it needs to go to other models that do things better than it does. When I, you know, for ChatGPT, for example, it's good at language, but not good at numbers. Other models are good at numbers. And so if you can speak to one model that's pretty cost efficient, then it can go out and selectively choose these other models that may be more expensive, but are doing that task at hand. And I I guess that leads me to some of these other industries, like the medical industry or others, where there's very specific kinds of models that have specific kind of language that might want to be uh, tuned and trained in very, very different ways. And I'm starting to see that come out where as the cost of training models comes down, you see industry specific models that are, uh, that are open source or closed source. Can you, can you talk about what you're seeing and hearing out there? Yeah. The recent thing that I, that we saw was Google released the Palm two, but specifically for the healthcare space, it was called like med Palm two. Um, and this is meant to be a domain specific large language model, essentially a model, their base POM2, but fine-tuned into that specific domain. And so there's some benefits there. You have more domain knowledge. You answer questions that are more similar to a way that maybe a doctor or healthcare or someone would answer a medical question. And instead of being really general purpose, you have a little bit of specialization in a certain area. And so, again, you're taking a base model and then specializing, you're fine-tuning it. There's always trade-offs with fine-tuning. I mean, if you fine-tune for a specific task, it's true that you could mess with other tasks or other things. It has adverse effects. But if you're looking for something domain-specific um, with a lot of knowledge, I mean, they probably trained it on significantly more data than what you know a simple solution would do for your company. But it's nice to see that they are now industry-specific large language models that can do industry-specific tasks better than maybe just the general purpose model. Seems like safety is going to be different on, on all of those. And I guess the money that they spend on training those models with humans, it seems for medical situations, the stakes are pretty high. You don't, you don't want any hallucination. You want that to be pretty safe, uh, answers that are coming back at you. I'm sure doctors are still going to double check those, but if diagnoses come back that are wrong, I mean, that would be devastating. Yeah. And so I, it's, it, it seems like that's going to be part of it too. Yeah. And even, even these specialized language models should not be used in isolation. They should be other checks and balances, so to speak, in a solution being built in this industry because no one's going to get to a 100% perfect language model that is always right and always factual. And you're never going to get to a language model that has every safeguard that you could possibly imagine. And so there needs to be other systems in place that kind of checks the large language model. 
So in the last five minutes, let's talk about something that business owners can take away from today's conversation about language models that get implemented inside their business. So let's get specific about that. So let's say that you want to have a protected, secure chat GPT like interface for all your employees. Uh, and you're going to do it across departments. So you're going to be doing perhaps things for your marketing team and HR, you know, maybe the customer success folks are going to use this AI agent, AI assistant as well. So how do you think about the way that that gets set up internally and how should business owners be thinking about that, especially if they're nervous about their employees using ChatGPT publicly inside their company with proprietary information? Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll try to jump forward into the future that'll help paint why we're going in the direction that we're going. So we've been seeing a lot of different point solutions that exist for products, things that help you with customer support, things that help you write Jira tickets, things that help you respond to emails, whatever it is. There's tons of different point solutions out there. And at some point, we kind of have to ask ourselves, do we want to be chatting with 10, 15 different assistants a day? Probably not. Um, we want to be in a single chat interface that has the capability to do all of the tasks that I need. And one thing that I always talk about is the really powerful thing about generative AI, and specifically when you're chatting with an assistant, is an assistant that has the capability to do cross system queries. And what I mean by that is you can have your AI system, one entry point that is able to record a meeting, transcribe it, summarize it, stick some tasks that it finds into Jira, stick a summary into Salesforce, your CRM, write an email, respond to a ticket, all in a single interface. So it's this single AI assistant in your company that has hooks into a lot of your systems. And so for that to happen, you kind of have to start with a base AI agent which is similar to your ChatGPT, but it's something that your company owns. It's something that you can have security around and that you feel confident that you can integrate with your enterprise systems without things going yeah. crazy. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Well, I, I think that um, this has been really great. We're going to try to keep these swing shifts to less than 15 minutes uh, each week. Uh, it It's something that... Uh, I think we're going to continue to do. We're going to bring more guests onto Swing Shift, which I'm really excited about. If you're a Shift listener, Shift is a podcast that is long format, usually around 45 minutes long, where we interview a key thought leader in the future of workspace, emerging technologies, AI, uh, hybrid work. And, um, and when we're going to be coming out with another episode next Thursday. So if you're not a subscriber to the Shift podcast, please uh, go on to your favorite podcast tool and subscribe to shift. And then every week, Simply Augmented also has a weekly newsletter that we put out. Uh, we can put it into your inbox. There's also one on LinkedIn. So if you go to simplyaugmented.com, you can go to the shift podcast and subscribe. You can also uh, add your email and get the newsletter weekly. So thanks a lot, Ashwin, for uh, chatting this week. We'll be back again next week and uh, and look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, can't wait. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Such a pleasure to have Ashwin as our guest on today's live episode. I love talking with Ashwin about the shifting landscape of AI and how ML and large language models are having an impact on businesses' bottom line. If you want to learn more about Ashwin and Simply Augmented, you can find him on LinkedIn and X.com. If you are interested in how he thinks about AI, definitely connect with him and keep up with his posts and activities online. I continue to be amazed by the guests we've had on our show, and I'm excited about the ones joining us in the near future. 
I truly appreciate you spending your time with us. Thank you for listening to this episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast for more exciting interviews and to the Simply AI weekly newsletter for weekly updates on how AI can help you scale your business. The Shift AI podcast is produced and sponsored by Simply Augmented. And our theme music was created by Dave Angel.